0: Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I'm so delighted you're here with us today and I'm very excited because we have a special guest with us. We have today Miss Cynthia Sear. She is the host of the podcast True Hauntings and Scary Stories and scary stories. Sorry. Also, she uh, wrote the book Parade of Nightmares. And I was fortunate enough to be able to be a guest on her podcast. So I'm super excited that she agreed to come back and be on my podcast. She's here today to talk to us about her podcast and how she has experienced hauntings, which is something that I am truly fascinated by. So thank you so much, Cynthia, for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So I have to have you tell us from the beginning, like how it got started, because I know that you said you grew up in a house that was haunted. So tell us, take us back to, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and how old were you when
1: you first started dealing with hauntings? So um, my grandparents bought a very old house. It was even old when I was a kid and they bought it just before I was born and it was known around town to be very haunted. It was built in 1876. My parent, my grandparents bought it in the 1970s, not to date myself or anything, but, (laughs) and then, um, my grandmother actually wrote her own book about it. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of the family haunted house (laughs) in my, (laughs) and they bought it when it was condemned and they agreed with the city to fix it up. That was the only way the city would sell it to them. So they did do that. So when I was a kid, um, my earliest memory of that house, I didn't grow up in the house, but we spent like every weekend with my grandparents. I called them nanny and grandpa. And so we were there almost every weekend. So I kind of practically grew up there. And I think when I was probably, if I had to say an age, I was probably about six-ish when I really remember my first experience in the house and it's a big sprawling three-story Victorian Gothic style mansion of a house. It's like 7,000 square feet. Um, and when they bought it, it was condemned. So my grandpa, he built this like, like, um, plywood floor that the, the downstairs has a big grand stairway that goes up to the second floor. And he built a, a plywood floor over top of that so that us little kids couldn't get up to upstairs to get hurt or whatever. Yeah. Because it wasn't safe up there yet. And so uh I we used to play hide and seek in their house. The best house to play hide and seek if (laughs) if you can handle the ghosts. So (laughs) um I used to crawl up the steps and lay on the top step, right wedged between the step and that wooden um flooring thing that he put there. And this one particular day, I was laying on a step, giggling, thinking no one's going to find me here. And, uh, I just at six years old, even, I remember thinking suddenly somebody's on the other side of the wood. And I didn't know much about ghosts then or spirits or whatever you want to energies. I just remember thinking somebody's there. And so I was kind of trying to look through the crack between the wood and the, the flooring, you know, to try and see who it was, because I was convinced somebody was there. And then I remember coolness coming between the wood in the crack, hitting me. It felt like a refrigerator door was open. Yeah. And I grew up in St. Augustine, Florida. Yeah. Okay. So you don't feel
0: that coolness. So, <laughs> no.
1: And this is a three story sprawling house with no central heat and air. <laughs> there wow. should be literally no reason for any cool air to be coming from there. So I was laying there thinking somebody was there, feeling the cool air. And that was my first real memory of a real paranormal experience. I didn't know that's what it was at the time, but I certainly know it now. And that was the first time. But then there were other times, like the whole hide and seek thing. Man, one time I was hiding my grandparents. Their living room is big. It's the whole footprint of the house almost. And they had... One, two, three pianos and an organ in their living room against the walls, you know, big house. So I was hiding under one of the pianos, the grand piano that was there and I was hiding and then all of a sudden I, I was older than maybe eight or 10 or something. And then I just knew like, you just suddenly know something's there and you just feel it. And I was like, Oh, time to go. (laughs) (laughs) So like stuff like that would happen to us all the time. I'm certainly not the only one. Almost every family member has some kind of story um, that they can tell about that house. Cold spots were really common doors opening and closing voices that you can hear with your ears. Also um, EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon. Uh, I've recorded plenty of those in their house and um Yeah, just all seeing stuff. One time I was in the guest room upstairs on the second floor and I was sitting on the bed watching TV and I was in, you know, entranced in the show. I was not thinking about ghosts or anything. I was a teenager then. And I just suddenly got that feeling, you know, that you would get in that house. And I looked up from the TV and there was like a perfect oval orb of, of light, a big one, but you know how you look at a road in the heat and it looks like a mirage, like uh-huh. it's shiny above the road. That's what it looked like. But in the shape of an orb, I mean, I am um, oval in the middle of the room across the way from me, just floating there. And I was like, that's right by the door. <laughs> am I going to get <laughs> out of here? I have to get past that oval to get out of it. Right? <laughs> so I did eventually like slip past it. I I got some Guts, I guess. But I, yeah, stuff like that happened all the time. Footsteps were a big one, Ooh. big one I, as like a- behind I, you as you were on the stairs or something like mostly, mostly at night, we would sleep on the second floor and the third floor was never quite finished. Um, they never really messed with the third floor. Even though my nanny tried to say, "Oh, it's good ghosts or whatever. They don't mess with yeah. you." They still never <laughs> develop that third floor. Right. So, um, we'd be on the second floor, and I would be laying in in the little pull out bed in my grandparents' room. My sister'd be asleep beside me. My grandparents were clearly asleep in their bed, and I would just lay there and listen to what sounds like boots walking from one end of the third floor to the other and back and forth and back and forth for hours. And I would just lay there and think like, what is that? You know, like, is that going to come downstairs? We would always make nanny close her bedroom door because the stairs to the third floor were right there at her door. Yeah. So I, you know, we didn't want the ghosts like coming coming down the stairs, right? As if a door is going to stop them. But, you (laughs) know, (laughs) we were kids safer, right? right? Yeah. So the story behind the house okay, the reason that it is so very haunted is the family that lived in that house before my grandparents were ex-carnival workers, and they were very eccentric and strange people, and they kind of retired in that house um, after their circus stuff. So the lady of the house was very particular. She moved into the house with her second husband her daughter by her first marriage and her son by the second marriage. And so they moved into the house. She would not let them leave the house. Um, They didn't like people, outsiders, whatever the, she was a seamstress. She was a seamstress with the circus and she also was a musician and stuff, but um, that's how she made her living when they came to Florida. So she would make big, beautiful ball gowns for like the rich people in St. Augustine. Um, And that, so she would have clients over every now and then to do that. But other than that, they didn't have exposure to people. She wouldn't let her kids leave the house or anything. Mm -hmm. So eventually uh, her children were boy and girl, half siblings. Uh, They got to be very young teenagers and they did what teenagers do but they only had each other. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Yeah. So the daughter got pregnant by her half brother. Oh, wow. And the lady of the house, which is what I always call her. I can't give you names because my nanny, when she wrote her book, she included all of their names and the address of her house, the actual address. So I can't tell you the name of her book because you could immediately with one Google search, find her house. Yeah. So the lady of the house was furious that her children did this. They um, kept the pregnancy secret and they uh, whisked the daughter off to have the baby. When she had him, it was a little boy. They brought him back and the lady of the house raised him as hers. So as their brother, instead of their child. Yeah. And then he, the most disturbing part of the story is that the, the story goes, and she learned this from journals and pictures and stuff she found in the house, everything they owned was still there. And stories from neighbors and stories from the last family member because they knew him before he died. Mm -hmm. So after they brought the baby home, they raised him. When he got to be a young teenager, guess what happened? His mom, his actual mother, who was also being raised as his sister, they were together. She got pregnant again. But this Uh, time it was by her son who she had with her half brother. So the level (laughs) of their family familiarity was so great that this baby, they also kept him a secret. But this time when he was born, it was another little boy. They did not tell anyone. They kept him secret. He was the family secret. So they kept him on the third floor. That was his domain. That's where they raised him. Lady of the house hated him. She hated him because he represented what her kids had done wrong. So she told the kids, you guys deal with him. I don't want any part of it. You raise him up there. I don't want to know about it. So they did for a while. And when he, because of his issues, he was mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. He was physically didn't look quite right. Um, And so Neighbors would occasionally see this strange boy looking out of the windows up there and it would kind of be written off like they would hush it up. And yeah, eventually when he was like five or six, I think in that range, um, she was having a, the lady of the house was having a client over for a fitting. And during that time, the little boy had like a tantrum or something and she had to kind of explain it away. And when the client left, she was furious. She stormed up to the third floor. She locked the entire third floor up and she would not let her children go in to tend to him anymore. And that little boy starved to death up there. Oh gosh. Now my nanny showed me claw marks that were at the bottom of the door and on the flooring where he was trying to get out. But because of his issues i don't think he really understood what was happening or how to escape you know he never used a window or anything i don't know if they had them like locked shut or whatever but he starved up there and there was a spot that my nanny always kind of assumed was where he laid down and died because it was wooden flooring and it was kind of gross Mm -hmm. so the story is that he passed and they left him there for a while she still wouldn't go up So weeks after he passed, when the smell became an issue, she finally unlocked the third floor. Because no one knew he existed, she let her children bury this little boy in the backyard. And that is where we believe he still is to this day. My family's never dug him up or anything, but that's where we believe that he still is. And she did find hair on the third floor that she believes to be his or she believed to be his. My nanny passed in January of 2021. Uh she was 94 and a half. Wow. <laughs> my grandpa passed in 2012 and he would have been 92 at the time, I think. So yeah, they they lived there for an awfully long time, my whole lifetime until now and um it's still in my family the house is. Wow. But um, yeah. So that's why it's so now lots of people passed away in that family in the house, but they were all natural causes. That little boy is the only one who was legitimately, we believe he was murdered. Yeah. So and what a
0: horrific way to, to the yeah. death.
1: That's where a, a little boy. And I, I really believe that he didn't know, you know, yeah. he didn't have the capacity to know that.
0: Yeah. I would imagine that would be the case if he, you know, especially with that degree of incest that was happening in the family mm-hmm. that's a oh, wow
1: yeah. i wasn't sure if you wanted me to say that word <laughs> so i was like that degree of yeah. uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah no wow that's
0: uh that's an incredible story and so that then had obviously affected your life and how mm-hmm. you saw things because you were exposed at such a young age to this haunted house. So now how did that shape your life and how did that affect you creating this podcast and writing the stories that you write?
1: Well, um, I my nanny and grandpa bought the house, I think, because my nanny was drawn to it. And when she wrote her book, she told me that she would wake up at 3 a.m. every morning for most of the time that she was writing the book with the urge to write. And then as soon as she finished it, as she really felt like it was done, she never woke up at that time again. So I, I don't know if that was them communicating with her, you know, yeah, but... I felt that draw and I don't know if it was a, if it's a hereditary thing, if I got that from my nanny or if it was because I was exposed to it so young, maybe that was it, but I am super sensitive to any kind of energies or whatever. I don't really believe in God, um, but I do believe in energies for sure. I mean, I've experienced way too much for anyone to convince me that ghosts don't exist because they for sure do
0: just telling you now.
1: So yeah, I, my nanny loved to write. That's the only book she ever published. And for many years, I didn't pursue it, but I always felt it. And then, you know, my mid twenties, I wrote my first short story. I just wrote it for the heck of it. And it's on the podcast now. <laughs> and um, I liked it, but I was busy. My kids were young. My middle son at the time had just been diagnosed with autism and we were going through a lot. So I put it on the back burner and, and then, um, a couple of years back, I just was like, I love to write and I think I'm pretty okay at it and I'm just going to give it a go. So I started a blog and it kind of took off and then, oh, for goodness sake, sorry. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I just kept going. And so I started the blog in, January, 2020, right. As the pandemic was hitting, I suppose. And then, um, that led to me publishing the book in October of 2020. And then in 20 April, 2021, I started the podcast. It was kind of that thing where everybody was saying, Oh, you should do a podcast, you know? And I was like, no, my voice is dumb. (sighs) And then, (laughs) and then I finally did it. And it, that took off. Like I, I, I had no idea that was going to do what it did. So now here I am writing stories like a crazy person. And (laughs) my show is called true hauntings and scary stories because the odd numbered episodes are me interviewing people like yourself or my co-host and I talking about spooky things. And then the even numbered episodes are usually me reading a short story that I've written. And sometimes they are stories I've been commissioned to write for people. So I have four questions that they answer. And then I write a story based on their answers. So I do that. Sometimes it's out of my own crazy brain. (laughs) (laughs) It's just whatever. (laughs) So that's kind of how it flowed for me, I guess.
0: What's one of the most interesting guests maybe that you've had on your podcast where you thought, oh, wow, that was. uh... That was a crazy story or experience.
1: That's really so hard to answer because I mostly interview people who are telling me their paranormal experiences and they're all so different and they're all so interesting. Like I've interviewed people that felt like it it might've been a UFO encounter or something like um, one person I interviewed his name's Jaime and he has a show called the, the social undistancing show. <laughs> it's a really cute show. And he's, he was like driving and then he, he got kind of fuzzy and he didn't really know. And then it was like four hours later and he was in some place he wasn't supposed to be. And he didn't you know,
0: know how he had gotten there.
1: Didn't have any idea what happened. Oh, wow. So like, yes, yeah. so, And he's also had. That whole scary movie scenario where you go into the kitchen and all the cabinets are open. (laughs) I always that fascinates me because that that's never happened to me. I've had a lot of things
0: that happened to me. I think I would move. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, how's this going up for sale? Yes. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I interview a lot of people with a lot of cool, a lot of cool stories.
0: What would you say is the most interesting? paranormal experience you've ever had? Is it one from growing up in that house or have you experienced them (laughs) since then?
1: I would say, oh my goodness, I've had so many. I would say probably the coolest story that I have that happened to me, legit. I promise you guys, this is real. It's gonna sound bizarre, but it really happened. So it was not in Nanny and Grandpa's house. It was in a movie theater. That was a normal movie theater. And we went to take our kids. We have three sons to see um, *Secret Life of Pets*, the first one. So that's the time frame, you know, a few years back. And we just go to the movie theater we always go to, and it's a normal, you know, AMC something or other. And mid movie, you know, I've had three kids, yeah. so I had to use potty. <laughs> so <laughs> I excuse myself went in the middle of the movie to go do that and I go and nobody's in the hallway cuz everybody's in the movies at the yeah. time and the bathroom's empty so I go into the bathroom and it's a big nice movie theater so it's a big decent sized bathroom and it has that swinging door that you know you just push on it you can go in so I go into the very first stall that I see and then right as I'm closing the stall door and locking it I hear somebody else come through the door but it feel it sounds like they had a running start. You know how you can really bang into those yeah, yeah. and burst into the room. Well, that's what it was. And then I see bare kids feet uh, like a little kid, barefooted, run past my stall and go into the one next to me. And I saw his feet go into the one next to me and I'm kind of a (laughs) germaphobe. So in my brain, I'm saying, Oh, who is letting their kid run around a movie theater in their bare feet? Like that is not right, especially in a bathroom. So the little kid who I assume is a boy, because he sounded like a boy, he was like making little robot noises and playing like beep, boop, boop, you know, and he's (laughs) like chitter chattering And he goes into the stall next to me and I kid you not starts playing in the toilet water. Oh, as I said, (laughs) germaphobe. So my next thought is, oh my gosh, don't get that on my feet. Just don't stay over there. Leave me alone. Like this kid is not right. So uh, I'm trying my best to hurry up and ignore him. So uh, he's beep boop boop. Next thing I know, he goes, what's your name? but he says it in like a robot voice. Like, what's your name? And I was like, nope, not talking to this kid. (laughs) I just, at that point, you're like, where are the
0: parents of this? Like, what is happening here?
1: Yes. I was definitely (laughs) thinking that. So I ignored him. I didn't answer him. And then he keeps on beep, boop, boop, or whatever. And he goes, I asked you a question. And I was like, Ooh, sassy. Okay. I'm still not talking to you, but (laughs) So I'm still ignoring him and just trying to hurry. So I get done peeing, do my thing, you know. I'm I'm getting up, uh, flush, whatever, walking out. Well, he's still like giggling and stuff. So I come out of my stall and immediately look to that one right next to mine, and the door is parted, you know, sort of half open, and there's no one in there. There's no water anywhere on the seat or floor or anything, but I can still hear him laughing, but it sounds like he's drifting to the far end of the bathroom. Like his laughter is fading that way, but just giggling up a storm. And that is the moment that I realized that he was a a spirit and not a real kid that whole time. I kid you not. I thought there was a real kid in the stall next to me the whole time. Wow. I saw his feet. I saw little kid feet run past. So I have never washed my hands so fast. (laughs) Like there was no (laughs) Uh, alphabet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, watch, watch, go. So I get back to the movie when the movie's over. So I am a, not a shy person, but my husband is (laughs) so much to his dismay. I, you know, the movie's over and I say to him, Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what happened to me in the bathroom. As soon as I say that the employees come in to like, start straightening up the, the theater. And I make a beeline for them because I have questions. Yeah. You know? So I run up and there's three younger people and then an older gentleman that's like kind of standing aback from them. So I go up to the three people and I'm like, you guys, is this theater haunted? And they all, it was like a Scooby-Doo moment. They all grin and all turn back and look at this older man that's standing back there. I felt like he was going to be like, you pesky kids. <laughs> but he, so then he just kind of smiles at me and walks up and says, Oh yeah, this, this theater is haunted. There was a, before this wing of the theater existed. It was a parking lot and a little boy got hit by a car in the parking lot and died. Oh my gosh! And now the, the, and then they built this theater wing on top of it. So he said, yeah, stuff happens all the time. Lights flicker, movies mess up, doors open and close, whatever. And I freaked out. I was like, oh, my gosh, I just had something happen in the bathroom down the hall. And he's like, oh, yeah, things happen in there all the time. And I was like, what? <laughs> wow,
0: that's incredible. So you got immediate confirmation that what you saw yeah. was for real.
1: Unless he was messing with me. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I <laughs> but that really happened. Like, I really did see that and. I was blown away. That's probably the coolest I've seen and felt and heard a lot of things in my life. Yeah. That's probably the coolest one.
0: And you said you got audio. You've had audio yes. recordings of spirit that you've gotten.
1: Yeah. Every time I go to my nanny and grandpa's house, um, I always hit, hit record on my smartphone. I don't have any kind of special ghost hunting thing. <laughs> I just have an app that like records audio. Yeah. Very simple. I just hit record when I go in and I just see what I get because I re- record things there so often. Um, the last time I was there was actually the day of my nanny's funeral and I hit record and cause we did the funeral at the church and then we came back to her house and I right before I was about to hit stop and stop recording, because we were about to leave right before I was about to do that, I caught a whisper that's really hard to make out because there were so many people talking in the background. But after I really analyzed it with my headphones, I feel like it's saying, I'm okay, don't forget about me. And that was on the day of her funeral. So I feel like it was probably her It didn't sound like her voice, but I don't feel like it needs to. Yeah, as energy, they don't always sound like what they used to, you know?
0: Right, right.
1: But I've caught lots of things. One time we were there looking for her purse, like before she passed, and I caught a little girl's voice saying, it's over there. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Help you? Yeah. Yeah. Another time. Oh, this was a creepy one. Another time, I was with a cousin, and we were coming down from the third floor, and I had just said to him that I thought I heard my name whispered. I didn't catch that on the recording, but what I did catch was a male voice saying, "What's your name?" <laughs> so, uh, oh wow! Yeah. So That's... creepy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Every time, it's always pertinent to what we're talking about, you know. Yeah, like they're there with you listening. And, yeah, like they uh, are in on the conversation. Wow,
0: that's incredible. It gives yeah. me chills. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us about your book. So you wrote a book of stories called Parade of Nightmares.
1: I did. So um, it is a collection of eight short stories, and each one features a different phobia, hence the Parade of Nightmares. So, um, and two of my two phobias are in it. I actually covered them, which is drowning in heights, uh, which I feel like is logical. If you're going to have a phobia, logical one, you know, so those really can kill you. So (laughs) writing those stories was, was tricky. Um, I just kept getting constant adrenaline rushes and I figured, well, I must be on the right path with these, but yeah, I cover spiders, clowns, dolls. Um, whatever. And it's a fictional book. So basically I just took a phobia and I thought, what would be a worst case scenario for this phobia for someone? And I kind of ran with it. Wow. So anyone,
0: I feel like especially like those of us who were kids who love those scary stories, mm-hmm. like the ones you used to read, or we would read it around like a campfire and, yeah. you know, those kinds of stories. I feel like those people would really enjoy this. So yeah. that's, that's really cool that you wrote that. I know
1: yeah. that I, I do not write kids' stories. Yeah, They are not kid-friendly. Yeah. That book is not kid-friendly. No minors. <laughs> just want to emphasize that.
0: Well, and we had talked about this because I was fortunate enough to be able to be on your podcast and you talked about how you dreamt about drowning. So you think this may have really been a past life. And we we had a discussion that yeah. I told you I thought maybe, yeah, that was a past life.
1: I've always wondered because I was a kid and I had that dream almost every night for months, for months. And I was in a stressful environment. And so part of me was like, was it the stress coming out, you know, because drowning is my fear and maybe that's how my brain was working it out. Um, And the fact that one of the people in my dream was a relative that I was having issues with. So I thought maybe that's connected, but I don't know. It felt so real. Like when I fell in the water, you, you could, I could feel my throat filling up with water and the gurgling, and it just felt like I was really drowning.
0: Yeah. And most people, when they have dreams that are just fear based dreams that are just from everything roaming around in their mind, they don't actually get those real sensations, like what it feels like to have the water actually coming down. And most of us wouldn't really know what that felt like. Mm. Because we've never experienced that unless you had drowned before. So That's true.
1: I never thought of it that way. Yeah, really. I've only had one other experience where I felt water in me like that. And that was a couple of years back. I was watching TV like randomly. It's kind of like you have the news playing, but you're not really paying much attention. Yeah. And all of a sudden the story came on about a little boy who'd gone missing. And I looked up and as soon as I saw his face on the screen, I immediately started choking. Like I felt like everything in my chest was filling with water. I could feel it in my esophagus, in my lungs, like just gurgling feeling and, and it lasted for only a few seconds. And then they did find that little boy three days later in an, in a nearby pond. Drowned. Wow,
0: wow. So you really do have psychic abilities that you I have eat-
1: something, <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it on purpose, but it just happens sometimes. I joke that if you want to know if your house is haunted, just invite me over. I'll let you know. <laughs>
0: It'd be a fun party game, right? Let's see this is fun today. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, I love that. And thank you so much for being here because your stories are so interesting and the story about your grandparents' house is incredible and yeah. wow, hard to believe all of that happened, but amazing that she was able to write a book about it and that you were able to take your experiences and then turn it into this amazing podcast. And also uh, I love writing and really good stories. So anyone who's into the spooky stories like that would be awesome to check out your book. And if anybody wants to do that, let's say they want to listen to your podcast, buy your book, or just follow you. What's the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, My website is truehauntings.com. So that's where you can find a lot of links, links to my Patreon links to some of my social media, Instagram, stuff like that. Um, my podcast is called True Hauntings and it's got the little and symbol. So True Hauntings and Scary Stories. And uh that's on all the different platforms that you can be on. And yeah, that's truehauntings.com is probably the the place to go. I have a really cool, fun um Facebook group and the links are on my website and I'm in there every day. More than I should. <laughs> so, yeah, you can interact with me there. The book is on Amazon, Parade of Nightmares. So check it out.
0: Awesome. And we'll have all those links in the show notes, too, in case anyone wants to go there and check it out. Well, thank you again so much for being here. This was such a fun conversation, and I loved hearing all of your stories, especially the the story about the movie theater, because you never think about <laughs> like those places being haunted.
1: Right. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Yes, come back anytime. And I want to thank all of you for being here with us today as well. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. And of course, the greatest compliment you can pay me is to share it with anyone you think might enjoy it. Also, if you want to work with me, you can go to MelissaOatman.com. You can also become a Patreon and when you do, you'll see this beautiful interview live with the video. So check us out on Patreon. I hope you guys have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. As always, I am sending you so much love and light and I will talk to you soon. Bye guys.